It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Julie Perkins. Today, I'm really, really pleased to be joined in studio by Joe Arada, who's Chief of Recruitment and Retention, uh, and also the Human Exploitation Rescue Operative or Hero Corps Program Manager at Immigration and Customs Enforcement, what we all know as ICE, uh, to discuss the HERO program and how ICE is training some of America's most tested and proven military veterans for elite law enforcement careers. This is going to be a fascinating show. I'm also really privileged to be joined by telephone by three uh, individuals um, around the country. Um, first will be Shannon Krieger, who graduated from the inaugural class of Heroes in 2013, as well as Delilah Llewellyn, one of the first females to graduate from the Hero program. And Jay Christian, he's the CEO of the National Association to Protect Children. You'll learn about that. It's the nonprofit that's working with ICE and partners um, for the HERO program. So welcome. Welcome, Joe. You're going to take our first segment. And um, how about if you just describe what is the HERO program and how long it's been around and and, uh, how it all all began? Sure. And thank you. And thanks for having us out here today. Um, the HERO program started in uh, as a concept from the uh, National Association to Protect Children. Um, their, two, their biggest issue they saw in child exploitation crimes and investigating child exploitation crimes was the forensics. And the forensics is, as with anything in, on, in the cyber world now, is immense. So law enforcement was um, fighting an uphill battle having enough people to get through the forensics, not only to find the people to, um, to prosecute, but also the victims that were being left in the data that may not have gotten, been gotten to mm-hmm. uh, because, because of the amount of forensics. So they came up with a novel idea of finding uh, wounded service members, and initially it was a special operations command because uh, SOCOM has a care coalition organization that is actually a little bit smaller, a little bit more nimble than the, the, the full services transition command. And kind of the, the whole mentality, the toughness of the SOCOM warrior, and using them and retraining them to, to become forensics analysts. But where, what they needed was a law enforcement agency to land that, uh, that idea. Uh, they approached ICE, and uh, quite frankly, it didn't take very long, I, I would say a couple emails, uh, before our deputy director said, uh, do it. And in April of 2013, um, ICE was told, Myself and a few folks from the Cybercrime Center were told, go work with them and create this program. And uh, just so you know, in April 2013, if you remember, we were in sequestration. We oh, were, yes. we were going, uh, headed towards a government shutdown. Right. And um, we had till August to build a program and uh, use the, the end of 2013 funds and also uh, recruit folks. And as I was telling you earlier, it was like building a hotel and signing up guests at the same time and the hotel wasn't built and we were giving, telling guests there was a hotel and there <laughs> and really was this wasn't. is how we, uh, we think it'll look like, right? And this is how we think it'll look like. <laughs> uh, so in April, um, we came together and uh, the great team at, uh, at Protect, uh, the great team at SOCOM, Care Coalition, and then the, the, the folks at ICE. And when I say ICE, it's, you know, it falls under Homeland Security Investigations and their Cyber Crime Center. But it was everybody. It was our lawyers. It was our public affairs folks. It was our uh, human resource folks that process. It was um, uh, just just anybody that had our diversity and civil rights folks to talk about disabilities and things like that. So it was it, it was everybody threw in, and nobody did it as a full time job. This was all done on our own on our own time, and we and we started building this program. Um, and luckily, we were able to 
get a program signed, a memorandum of agreements between all the parties. And that in itself was incredible because we got a, you know, a DOD MOA signed in three months with a federal law enforcement agency. That's, that in itself, I think, is miraculous. Right. And Probably, uh, probably the first of its kind. Probably the first of its kind. <laughs> And um, at the same time, the CARE Coalition was doing the recruiting for us to find us uh, our initial class. And uh, we decided to set up in three phases. And the first phase would be tr- uh, primarily run by Protect. And I kind of, in a military mindset, I kind of call that the mission set. That's where we teach folks what they're about to get into. It is, it's the, the um, what is child exploitation? What are child exploitation crimes? They, they meet with... Um, investigators, uh, victims, mental health folks, people that deal with the children afterwards. Um, and then from there, they, the second phase would come to um, our cyber crime center and go through the same forensics program that we send our criminal investigators who becomes uh, computer forensics agents, and then build out a 10-month uh, internship in the field in one of our special agent and charge offices nationwide. Um, we had 17 folks sign up. And I can tell you, um, myself and uh, f- another gentleman from the Cyber Crime Center got to stand in front of them in um, August uh, in uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and stare at them and say, thanks for coming. Um, great program. Can't promise you a job. Can't promise you <laughs> anything. <laughs> and they were all kind of steely-eyed warriors from SOCOM, and, uh, you know, and, and they had faith. But I, you know, one of the things I remember telling them, was, uh, you know, in law enforcement's terms or in military terms, you know, when you start an operation, somebody's got to breach the door. Right. And you don't know what's on the other side of the breach, but you have to get through it, and then anything can happen afterwards. And uh, and I said, you guys are the breachers, and uh, you have to believe in yourself, and you have to believe in us, and I can't make any promises, but we'll see what's on the other side of the door. And, uh, and I give credit to every one of them because um, they breached the door. And then the program is today what it is because um, those individuals said yes. And a lot of folks, again, in the Care Coalition and, and, and at Protect and at ICE said this won't fail. And, and, and we built it. And um, October of, uh, in fact, the day after the government opened, which I believe, back <laughs> up, uh, we graduated our first class. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a one-time deal. And we were going to do this once. And the deputy director said, let's try it again. And we said, okay. And if not for the help of Protect, and this is a very unique um, uh, relationship, they provide a lot of financial support um, uh, for for the heroes while they're in the program. Right, because I, I'm not sure you mentioned the, the 10-month is unpaid. That's right. The 10-month, yeah. actually the whole program is unpaid. Uh, so unpaid, right, right. right. Protect. Uh, Gives protect, them a stipend for the That's correct. So Protect training. takes care of them for the first two phases, the 11 weeks, uh, mm-hmm. houses them, tra- uh, provides for their travel, right. um, and gives them a stipend. But after that, it's 10 months on their own. And there's a variety in a, of, of how they sustain themselves. Uh, but that's all part of the, the interview process, and that's part of how we assess. Um, there's a couple of things we looked at, and we, we decided this early on, and it really hasn't changed very much. Uh, one of the things we want to look at is maintaining their health. So they're all wounded, ill, or injured, um, different levels and different levels of recovery. So we want to make sure wherever they land, they are still able to have their health, um, uh, their health affairs taken care of. Second thing is family um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but the family support, just for the nature of the business, is significant. Right. Uh, and, you know, you sit across an interview with men and women that have gone overseas a lot, and they're going to just tell you, oh, we're going to go where, you tell us where to go, we're going. And we kind of say, no, you're going to go where... You're going to have some support and your family support, and that's good. Third is financial. So we have to really do look at are they going to be able to maintain. And and there's a variety of ways, and and Protect is really our our mainstay on that. And then the last thing is that we have a seasoned computer forensics agent there to mentor them as they go through the program. Oh, a one-on-one guide through the program? uh, Yeah, or it might be a one-in-three, but but, but wherever they are, we want somebody to teach them because, quite frankly, they hit the ground running. Um, there, there's, they don't get lulled into something over a couple of weeks. Uh, some of these folks actually go, have been on, um, on incident scenes days after they get to their, to their offices. So, uh, they, they get into it very quickly. Uh, another thing we've added on as program grown is a, a partnership with a community college in Pennsylvania that gives them, an, uh, the opportunity at their choice. It's a voluntary thing, but, um, they have a 28 credit 
course um, that they can learn some things about law enforcement and oh, wow. and, and criminal investigative and stuff. And um, they go through the 10 months uh, if they choose to do that. And they and they get a 28th, 28 degree specialized um, diploma at the end at the end of that as well. So we went from three months, build a program and staff it, to uh, by 2015 having the HERO Act signed into law by the president. And now we um, maintain two classes a year. We just graduated one on Friday, and they will hit the field uh, a week from Monday. And uh, next, uh, on the 31st of October, we start interviewing for the first class of uh, FY17. Mm. Well, folks, I think you've just um, heard a synopsis of how we hope all our government agencies could operate, um, see a need, and get qualified individuals in the door fast. And um, we're going to meet one of them at the after this um, break. You've been listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM, and we'll continue our discussion after this break. And a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. And today we're featuring a discussion about ICE's HERO program to train military veterans to rescue and protect children exploitation victims. And I am pleased to introduce um, to you one of the inaugural uh, members, class members, um, former HERO intern and current ICE computer forensic analyst, Shannon Krieger, who's on the phone with us I believe from Raleigh. Is that right? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Well, welcome. Um, we just heard from Joe um, a synopsis of how um, up and running and quickly the HERO program was formed um, with the coalition of uh, Protect and Special Operations Command and ICE. And he mentioned that for the inaugural class, he had to basically tell you guys um, well, we think this is how the program is going to be, but come join us and, and come along for the ride, and and um, we'll we'll see on the other side of the door. So, what? Um, well, why don't you give a little bit of background, um, military background, and then what caused you to be um, attracted to the Hero Program? Uh, okay. Um, well, I uh, I joined the Army in 1993, and and I was assigned to the First Ranger Battalion. And uh, from 1993 to 1998, I was, uh, you know, a member of that battalion and absolutely loved it. Um, and the, the great thing about being uh, a member of a Ranger Battalion is that it's a great stepping stone to further your career into Special Operations Command. So in 1998, I tried out and successfully completed the selection course for 1st Special Forces Operational Detachment Delta. And from 98 until 2011, I stayed at the command um, in 2001, and actually the, the the anniversary was yesterday, and you know uh, the the anniversary of Operation uh, Gecko and Operation Rhino, which actually kicked off this whole Afghanistan Iraq uh, you know conflicts mm -hmm. uh, back in 2001, and I was a, I was a participant in that operation, so. Uh, you know, it, everything is kind of fresh in my mind as far as it, because it's our 15-year anniversary. Right. But um, in 2004, I was medically retired due to injuries sustained while conducting combat operations in support of Operation OEF in Afghanistan. So I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be offered a position as a civilian still at the unit, and I stayed there for, you know, from basically from 2005 until 2011, you know, as a civilian uh, being involved in various special operations programs to, uh, you know, to help train uh, men and, and, you know, do some R&D for some equipment to, uh, you know, for deployment uh, okay. overseas in a combat zone. I've deployed from... 2001 until 2011 every year. So it was, uh, you know, it was an exciting job. Uh, 
And in 2011, I went back to Afghanistan for the first time and, you know, for the second time since I was hurt and uh, realized that this type of work just wasn't for me anymore. And I, uh, I left. It, it, it was, it was a, a good, clean break for me um, because I was ready to go. And what I wasn't really prepared for was what do I do after that? Um, so for a couple of years, I really just kind of, you know, I, I call it my finding myself period, where I really didn't do a whole lot of anything, just try and, you know, exercise and, and, and make sure that my health was where it was supposed to be. In 2013, the SOCOM Care Coalition uh, pointed me to the Hero Corps. And when I, you know, started doing some research into that program, it just seemed to be a fantastic fit for me um, because of the fact that I still wasn't, you know, I, I found out in my two years of finding myself that I, I wasn't ready to quit. I wasn't ready to, to, to lay my guns down, so to speak. Right. And I, and I still wanted to fight. Well, so you're I pretty young, too. I mean, that would be a little early to, to stop fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the Hero Corps afforded me that, uh, that opportunity to get back into a fight, which, you know, is more, more important than any other, you know, mission that I've been involved in. And um, it, it's been a tremendous experience for me because, you know, it, it, it allows you to get back into a team. That was one of the big surprises for me was I went from one team being in the Army to uh, another team, you know, working for ICE and working for Homeland Security Investigations as a, as a veteran. And, and we were, you know, we've been accepted and part of the team in the, the forensics portion of the investigative process is always a bottleneck. So if you do that, you become an important cog in this wheel. And, and I think that's probably what most veterans are interested in, is being able to do something that matters and to do something that counts and, and to make a difference. And, and that's what this program has done for me. Well, um, first, let me uh, thank you for the reminder that it is the 15-year anniversary of that operation. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's been 15 years. Um, and then I also um, want to follow up on um, what you talk about working a team, because I think I, I saw in one news article about the inaugural class, you and others, that you refer to yourself as sort of the nerd squad of ICE <laughs> and, um, and uh, the value that you bring to, um, as I understand, there was a backlog of, of uh, computer imaging and software that, I mean, it's just it's in this sick area of the world, um, there's just too much out there um, that are being collected. And so you guys tackled, um, tackled it as a team. So it's, it's funny, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that again, because um, um, from everything I've read about it, it is very much, it seems to be a team Effort and um, also, I noticed there was a lot of Rangers in, in that team, <laughs> <laughs> including I think Joe, right? No, or, I was I was oh. with the eighty second Airborne Division. Oh, Airborne. Yeah, okay, yeah. But we won't hold that against him. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it was still Fort Bragg. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the the whole essence of, of 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 what we do is you know the Nerd Squad. Picture a, a group of individuals in in, in kit and combat gear carrying guns storming an objective and doing a lot of aggressive things and not being able to do that anymore. Right. Now picture the same group of guys wearing civilian clothes, carrying, you know, four or five different uh, boxes of computer equipment going into a target after it's already been cleared with nothing but a computer in, 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 your, in your kit searching for digital media previewing digital media, possibly, you know, taking that digital media back to the lab. And, and, and what you find on, your compu on the suspect's computer is what the case agents and the assistant district attorneys need to make the arrest and make this guy go to jail. So as far as being an important part of that team, it, it is absolutely vital. And in, 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 in my, you know, two times that I was uh, – in, in Homeland Security in New Orleans, 
I got along very, very well with the guys. I, I was accepted uh, very openly and very positively, and I, I feel like I was extremely lucky for that. And then when I came to Raleigh, um, I, I got that same open feeling, that same acceptance, and, and I'm able to come right in, get back on the ground. And, again, you know, Kerry, I, I have, you know, I'm, because I've been looking at computers now, I have these big Coke, ba- Coke bottle glasses because I can't <laughs> see anything standing right in front of my face. I'm staring at a computer screen. And, and, and literally I am, you know, on a nerd squad because I'm no longer carrying I'm, well, I'm just carrying a different weapon right now. I'm no right. longer carrying a rifle, but I'm carrying a, a very sophisticated, important piece of equipment that uh, that I use to to help put bad guys in jail. And, and, and that's an extremely satisfying feeling for me. I, I can only imagine um, I was reading up on the program and, and y'all, uh, all, all of you that work in the program last night and. And this morning, and feeling quite inadequate, I was saying, saying to Joe about my, my life. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, but I, I'm not out there saving children. And um, it really is um, quite a remarkable um, and profound work that you all do to rescue children. Um, along with going after the suspect, do you, do you trace? How do you find the children? Because I understand that's also part of the work that you perform. What Homeland Security Investigations has a project called it's called Project Vic, where the 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 actual culture of you know we've always arrested bad guys and that that's that's something that's never going to change, but what is going on with the victims right. now? What we're doing is is through some 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 really sophisticated programs from the Computer Crime Center in D.C. We're, we're really making an effort to identify these children that are being exploited. And, and through some software and, and some partnerships with some really sophisticated and, and highly technological stuff, we're able to do that more and more. And I think, you know, Homeland Security Investigations in, in 2016 has, you know, rescued over 1,000 victims, wow. you know, this fiscal year. And um, it, it's, it's really a... a a lot of it is just, and, and you get, I get this from a lot of my military training, is you just have to put your nose to the grindstone and you have to go over every single piece of, of data that you look at because you never know when that one piece is going to pop up mm-hmm. that's going to give you that clue that is going to be the turning point or the straw that breaks that, you know, that camel's back, so to speak, to be able to make that identification. And that is, is you know, that's what we do. That's, that is the most, for me, that is the most important thing, is to be able to identify the victim so that we can make sure that nothing is going to happen to them again. And, and, uh, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. It's a tough job. And, and, but, you know, when you, when you think about the kids that are involved, Right. It's completely worth it. Yeah, I um, I was also imagining um, over the last couple of days how you are. Is it the military training um, that allows you to um, not burn out, um, not to be able to, I, I don't know if you compartmentalize it, but to be able to like have a life outside of the office um, and function without, um, remembering what you're seeing every day, because that has got to take a toll. Yes, it does. It takes a big toll. But but I think because, you know, most, as a veteran between, you know, 2000 and 2010, you've probably witnessed some fairly horrific stuff. Right. And, and, and from my personal experience, when, when I started this job, it's almost as if, well, this can't be real, Right. what you're viewing. There, there's no way that this is actually happening. And then when you find out that, that it is happening, it, it, for me, it, it really just kind of pissed me off that, that, that I was you know, blind for the last 20 years about what's been going on. And, and now you know, I'm able to go in and try and do something about this. And because I think we can compartmentalize probably a little bit better than somebody just straight off the street, it's it's easier for us to to deal with it now. 
you know, I can't speak for the rest of the guys because I know I've spoken to several, you know, several other heroes, and, and, you know, we talk through a lot of things. You know, HSI has a very good peer program that if you run into issues, you can, you know, you have somebody to talk to. And, 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 you know, peer support, I think, is important. Right. Um, you know, I, I can only talk so much about this to my wife before it's just like, no, no, you have to stop doing that because you, we, we're, I don't want to hear any of this. And, and I try not to bring it home. But, you know, you, know you, you, you develop this really, really dark sense of humor about a lot of things mm-hmm. that you see. And that's how I deal with it is to kind of try and, you know, make fun of it, I guess, for lack of a better term, but that's just, you know, that's one of the ways that I deal with it. And, um, you know, just sticking with the guys that I work with, right? Um, it, it's much easier. You know, hey, if, if you need to step out and go get a cup of coffee or something like that, you go do it and you say, you know, hey, are you okay? Yeah, you know, it's tough, especially being a father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it a lot of times it hits a little bit home a little bit more than I would like. Right, right. Wow. Um Okay. Um, well, I, I do um, want to really thank you both for your uh, military service and for your um, heroic service saving all these children. And, um, oh, you got me all teary-eyed just thinking about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, but thank you very much for your time today. And um, good luck with the fight. And um, I hope you go continue rescuing them and getting those bad guys. Well, thank you very much. And, um, and we will. All right. Um, So we have to stop here for a break, and we'll continue our discussion after this break and a word from our sponsor, and you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. Hey, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Now, I am pleased to introduce yet another um, amazing guest to the program. Her name is uh, Thalia. 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 Sorry. You know, <laughs> I, I only said it like three times correctly until I got on the radio. <laughs> and she is a hero um, based in Atlanta. And uh, a fairly recent graduate, I believe it was 2015. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, um, you know, we, I asked um, uh, your colleague, your hero colleague, Shannon, a, a little bit of, of his background. He, he, he was a um, um, career army. Um, and, and your background is a little different. Why don't you uh, tell the audience about that? Well, um, I'm from the West Indies. So um, not uh, I was not born or raised here. I came here when I was 17, and um, during my time, uh, I lived in New York. And one of my cousins joined the military when he was 18, and I used to, you know, go and post visit him and stuff like that. And I kind of got interested and in, you know wanting to do the same, and um, I decided to do that. I was in school. I graduated. I started teaching, and I literally walked away from my job just to join the military because I wanted to do something different, something more meaningful. Not saying that teaching and, and, and grooming kids are not, but I just wanted to do a little bit more. And um, I, I joined the military and, uh, you know, wear and tear my body injuries. I got um, medically chaptered out. And uh, it was definitely difficult for me because I wasn't ready. You know, I was definitely not ready. It just happened within a span of uh, six months. And um, so at that point, 
I had to start planning now what what do I do next you know and um it you know being in the military it was it was a great experience for me because I was able to work with I was working with kids out of high school for the most part I was taking care of them and making sure that they were they were okay and you know it was a transition for me it was not bad because I was teaching high school prior to that right so it was pretty much you know the same same thing that I was doing. They were I was just training them to fight and protect, you know, keep protecting the country and, you know, do the mission and all that. Um, but once I got out of the military, I, I sold my house and I literally just got up and moved to Atlanta with no plans, absolutely no plans. I just didn't want to be in a military town because I know job, you know, the jobs are not going to be that great in the military town because they're smaller areas, you know. So, um, I was home, and, and the transition from the military to civilian was very difficult. It was extremely difficult, and um, I just could not function. You know, I applied for jobs, and I, I got calls back, but I didn't want to, you know, the jobs that they were offering, I didn't have any, you know, great feelings about them. Mm-hmm. And um, I met this gentleman at the gym, and he was a veteran as well, and he introduced me to the Wonder Project. And um, I started going um, to the Wonder World Project building in Atlanta, and they had an IT class. And mm-hmm. I decided to start going to the classes to get out the house. And that's how I ended up hearing about the HERO program. And when I heard about the program, I thought it was just a great opportunity. It was a no-brainer. I mean, I worked with kids for so many years right. that going out there and trying to save these kids was definitely a no-brainer for me. And so you graduated, you're the third class of the heroes to graduate, um, and you're still in Atlanta? Yes, I'm in Atlanta. And um, can you describe what your typical day is um, as an analyst, a computer um, forensic analyst? Well, um, for the most part, we uh, we go out and search warrants um, with the agents, um, which is usually scheduled, and we'll know, you know in advance. But so there's a regular day. Uh, I have cases that um that I'm working on, and I will come in and and just pretty much you know go through these these computers and you know try my best to find every detail information that they that they would need the agent would need to continue to build this case, and um you know making sure that there are no victims out there as well. You know, you, you have to be so detailed because you don't want to miss anything. Right. And, um, you know, with these kids, you, you just never know, man. It's 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 really, really a difficult, difficult thing to deal with because there's people that don't even have a clue of how much is going on when it comes to child exploitation. You know, I've spoken to people that have no clue. Well, yeah, I think that people... Um are, are have very fortunate lives that don't realize what's going on or are blind to it. Um, I saw in, when I was doing some um, reading for the show that in 2014, I think ICE the, uh, had uh, seized 5.2 million gigabytes of images um, and captured 2,300 predators for the people that are listening to the show. It's a, it's a massive, massive... Oh, yeah. Um, problem out there and um, and you're one of the ones that have to review all these images to try to what both figure out who the suspect is the t- or, or, or or attach the evidence to the target exactly. and then also to um, hope to locate where the image was taken to rescue the child right definitely we will go when we go out with them you know we seize um, whatever evidence we need bring it back here, and then we go through everything at the lab. And I think this year um, Atlanta, uh, I think, sees one of the, one of the biggest um, uh, by, you know, terabytes worth of um, stuff, which was, is one of the cases that I was, I'm working on. Was that the gentleman who was the professor at Emory? No. Oh, no, that's okay. a different one. Okay, yeah, I saw one. I saw the headline for that one. Yeah, I can't I can't speak too much oh, on it, okay. but it was yeah. just a huge. I mean, I've never seen anything like that in oh. my entire life. It's it's so it, it's it's gotten to where days I have to like get up and just walk away, literally just walk away, and and said, okay, I'm not doing this for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know, right. it's just that many. You you'd be surprised. 
normal looking person. He's normal. You know, you wouldn't think. You don't. You you cannot look at a person and tell what it is that they're doing. Right. You know, you don't know. It could be an uncle, a dad. Mm-hmm. It, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And the 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 thing is, one you know, once I'm there going through the the evidence, and I'm saying to myself, like, what is going through this guy's mind? Why he would do this? Mm. You know, it, it's it's crazy. You you'd be surprised. That's why there's a lot of a lot of women that will not even touch this kind of child with a with a well, long. I was going to ask you that. You one of the few um, women um, that in the Hero Program. I think you were one of the first, weren't you? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to stereotype our own no, gender, no, 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 but no. I, I think that you're right. Um, a lot of women, um, when I think it'd be really difficult, um, but of course, um, certainly very admirable that you do it day in and day out. Now, do you talk to other colleagues? How do you get through those moments when you want to just walk away? Um, well, I was fortunate to, um, you know, have. <laughs> This peer support program that um, HSI developed is actually a great program because there are times when I needed to talk. Mm-hmm. And um, it so happened that one of the agents that, you know, is in my group, she's a part of the peer support program and she's a female. So it was easier for me to sit with her mm-hmm. and talk to her and just kind of talk about what I'm going through. And, and, you know, it helps me to feel better. And then they have you know, counselors as well, that if you opt to do that, you can discuss that with them. And it's pretty much not going to be, you know, you're not going to be talking to a counselor that does marriage counseling. Right. Of course, you're, you're going to have someone that is specific to, you know, what it is that you're doing. So they're able to work with you and help you. You know, you can't unsee these things. You'll never be able to unsee it. You know, honestly, once you look at it, it's in your, it's, it's planted in your brain. But, you know, you got to safeguard yourself. You have to know when you reach your limit, you know, in a particular day. And, you know, I, I just set myself up where when I'm looking at videos, I, the volume is not on. When I'm, you know, an hour before I go home, I stop looking at images. And, you know, you just have to do what, what works for you. Right. You know, so you can go home and still be at peace and still be okay. Now, uh Joe also mentioned to me that you um, come back and speak to the um, the classes that are coming up behind you. Yes. Yeah. So what what what, what tips or um, topics do you um, address with them? Well, we talked about taking care of yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's first because if you can't take care of yourself, you won't be able to effectively do your job. So I spoke to them about you know. Um, Image, looking at the images, what to expect while looking at the images, the videos. Don't ever have the sound on while you're looking at it because it's you You never want to experience that. I had to experience it once because I had to, not because I wanted to. But you never want to experience looking and hearing at the same time because uh-huh. that, would, that, that does some damages, you know what I mean? And also, you know, I spoke to them about the hours that they work, you know, don't. You, sometimes you sit in front of that computer and you look up and it's 5 o'clock. You don't even realize how long you've been sitting there, and you you can overwork yourself. You could burn yourself out, and eventually you're going to be like, look, I can't do this anymore. But, you you know, I talked to them about taking care of themselves first, right. making sure that they take the breaks they need. Speak to someone. Don't be afraid or ashamed to talk to someone because that's very important. Um, you know, mental stability, that's very important. And, um, you know, just, just monitor their hours and break time, take breaks, get away. Don't work on images straight up until the time that you walk out of the lab. You know, stop at an hour or two before you go home. So you can still go home and focus on your family and your regular life. You know what I mean? And and just basically, um, you know, transitioning from the military into a civilian job is not as easy for most of us. Right. So, you know, just basically telling them what to expect and, and how to make it a little bit easier for them to transition. No regrets, though, it sounds like. Pardon? No regrets uh, joining the Heroes Program, despite oh, definitely what you not. can't ever unsee. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? <laughs> Just the fact that I know that there are kids being saved, and there's, even if it's just one guy, you never know how many kids, is, you know, has been affected by this one person. You know what I mean? So even if mm-hmm. I put one guy in jail, I'm still making an impact. Now you're 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 doing just the most amazing and uh, a work 
for um, the children of our country and other countries. Um, and so one of the things, too, it, and we talk about, we worry about burnout. And we worry about yeah. things like, like that. Uh, so one of, one of the great things about ICE is we're very, very progressive in the cyber world. And um, one of the projects we're working on now with the Cyber Crime Center is where their future is. And as our cyber uh, mission expands um, outside, there, there's going to be a future for them outside the forensics world as well, um, where we realize that um, it's not always going to have to be a case agent to do some of the work in the cyber crimes arena. And so uh, we're working very closely with uh, HSI management and the Cyber Crime Center to, to build a career path. Uh, right. for for the heroes as they come out and 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 as their careers mature as well um because first of all they should have a career path absolutely you know, absolutely and, and again this is a fairly new program mm -hmm. so that's something we've built these things in stages um uh so we're, that's the kind of the next stage we go You're and, still and building and the hotel we're, huh? st we're still building the hotel yeah we're still building <laughs> oh, the hotel yeah. um and, and one of the other things, too, um, and I mentioned to it earlier, is Dolly is a great example of how this program has expanded outside of Special Operations Command as well. Right. So we now have, you know, uh, Army, Air Force, Marines. We have no Coast Guardmen yet, uh, but reservists and National Guardsmen. And also the uh, backgrounds, they are significantly different. And when you interview them, it's amazing the, the, uh, just the variety of people you get to sit across from you when you talk to them. And, and they all have a story. And, uh, and I think we've picked some really great people across the board, across the veterans community, as well as transitioning, because some folks are still on active duty when they go through the program. Um, and, and Dolly's a great example of as the, when we stepped out of the Just SOCOM community, going into the, the full force of getting, still getting great people. Uh, what a oh, fortunate thing that you uh, <laughs> talked to that veteran at the gym, right? Pardon? Uh, what a fortunate thing. You talked to the veteran at the gym and he turned uh, you on to the program. Exactly. That was, that was you know, I think there, there's just, you know, the universe was looking out for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know there, there's a path that, you know, was created and I, I walked that path and I'm actually very, very fortunate and very happy that I'm able to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, well, I really appreciate the time that you've taken with us today and I just have, so admire you and your colleagues and and the hard work that you're doing out there and um, continuing the fight against this horrific um, and unfortunate widespread um, crime. And I, we really um, certainly appreciate your time and, and best of luck with um, moving forward with your career at ICE. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. Right, have uh, a good one. Uh, uh, we're going to um, stop here from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll... Uh, wrap up our discussion with one final guest and you're listening to fed talk on federal news radio 1500 am make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan long-term care is expensive and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans with benefits designed specifically for the federal family the federal long-term care insurance program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday start planning for the future take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today that's ltcfeds.com Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. And we're entering our last segment of the show, and I'm really pleased to introduce our final guest. Um, last but certainly not least, it is Jay Christian of The Protect. It's the nonprofit that works with ICE and Special Operations Command uh, to bring the HEROES program um, together and to graduate uh, these amazing individuals who are out going out there and um, fighting against the child predators. Um, Jay, welcome. Thank you. And let me just say thank you to you and uh, your crew for having the segment on. Uh, we appreciate the ability to take part in this. Well, well you're welcome. Um, it has been really, um, it's been a really remarkable program uh, talking to your fellow heroes, because I understand, were you part of the inaugural class as well in 2013? Excuse me? Were you part of the Heroes inaugural class, or yeah, yeah, the uh, the uh, the way that I was first introduced to the uh, program was actually by being a, a member of the class. And so, um, how long were you in the military? 
prior to becoming a hero. Can you give us a little recap of how you got to uh, become part of the Heroes program? Are you, I, I'm sorry, did I, is Jay there? Hello? Oh, hi. Can you hear me? Um, I was wondering if you could give us a little recap as to um, a brief uh, background about your military and how you came to learn about the HEROES program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like the majority of uh, individuals uh, that, that want to serve and continue to serve, I, I went into the military and went right into the 75th Ranger Regiment. Uh, and while on active duty, I was uh, injured. And uh, I didn't want to retire. And, and I, I think that uh, this is a story that you hear time and time again, not only from uh, members of my team, but, but throughout the military. Um, you start to kind of get your identity uh, you know, wrapped up in the military and what it is that you do. And so I was looking for ways to continue to contribute. And um, we have a team down uh, so kind of the care coalition that we work close with in this program. Uh, but while I was still on active duty, they were trying to uh, work with me for what were the next steps and uh, phase of my career. Uh, and they introduced me to uh, the idea of uh, applying for the Hero Corps. Um, and immediately, uh, as soon as I gathered all the information and found out uh, the magnitude of the situation, what it was that we'd be able to take part in, uh, it was it was a no-brainer. Uh, it was, was clearly going to be more important than anything I had ever done. So. And then um, after you graduated from the Hero Corps, you became um, the Deputy Director of Protect. Um, what gravita- Can you give us a, a synopsis of what Protect is? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not sure why I was getting in uh, pretty, pretty bad. Um, but but I, I think that, that your question uh, was in regards to protect. Yeah, if you what we do. Mm-hmm. So protect is a nonprofit organization, five hundred one C three, and the actual uh, organization itself is the National Association to Protect Children. Um, and from its inception, uh, the the entire focus is to work towards. Uh, not only the ability to see laws put on the books, but also find a way to support law enforcement, um, enforcing some of those laws and ultimately supporting uh, the children throughout the nation and ultimately the world. And I understand you became the director um, earlier this year. Um, and what what led you to decide to work for Protect? You, you I, I saw where you went into the, you were in the police academy in California, um, and then um, uh, you decided to work for the nonprofit. What gravitated you to protect? Well, I I think it's a sense of uh, mission, purpose, um, you know, and and with the introduction that I had to the organization, really coming down from the Hero Corps. it's kind of like joining the military, you know, and it, everybody can't be in the infantry. You have to have support uh, as, as well. And uh, after going through the, the program, um, the job offers started coming in. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Joe Rada, who I believe is still on the call, um, he had a, a big uh, time frame with me while I was in the program and, and working through uh, some of the abilities I would have to stay on uh, with ICE uh, itself and and then uh, with Protect, uh, the offer came in from them to start working with them too. And I thought there may be an opportunity uh, to serve on the, the back end of the program um, working for quite some time to come versus uh, going into the field and working the cases per se. So that that's that's where I ultimately made my decision was that um, much like in the military where you do need you know um, those frontline fighters you also need the support and I felt like if I was able to work at protect and continue to grow the program from that side um, I may be able to um, put a different perspective on it. And what does protect? I know that it has this unique relationship with ICE. Um, does it also work with state and local organiz- uh, police law enforcement? It does. Uh, we work very closely um, 
in our own capacity with state and local uh, law enforcement and the ICACs, uh, which is the Internet Crimes Against Children units throughout the nation, um, on our own. But we also work very closely uh, with state and locals uh, through the partnership um, with ICE as well. So it's kind of a, a, a triple-pronged approach. Um, and I think that with the Hero Corps um, in mind, um, you know, one of the great things about the program, the way that it's been set up and driven, is that it's an inclusive program to uh, involve state and locals. And and are they also looking at um, sort of the recruiting tool of the the military, the former military folks, um, the state and local law enforcement? Um, I imagine are are thinking maybe we should take on um, ICE, look at look at what ICE and Protect did, and maybe um, recruit from the same pool of of, of folks. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to say what you know such a vast pool of, of law enforcement is, is thinking, but, but I, I do know that, that as a working group, collectively we get uh, information from state and locals on a daily basis and, and requests uh, and assistance to, to say that they, they need more support, that they need some help. Um, and and we, we certainly have put together a model um, through the partnership of, of one way that it can be done, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, so, and with Protect's assistance, some some of our folks remember we talked about the uh, how we build this out, and part of it's going to where they can have me- medical care and family. So there have been some locations where we d- might not have an ICE office, and through uh, help through Protect, we have police folks in uh, local police departments working as forensics analysts, as long as they're still under the watch wire of a uh, of an ICE mentor. But we, we have placed them in state and local organizations during their internship. All in a matter of, what, three years you've been able to accomplish much, this, yes. the UN yes. Protect and uh, and the military. This has been amazing. Um, well, Jay, thank you very much. Um, and really, um, keep up the fight. I, I, um, I think that you said earlier that you'd never thought you'd um, be in the position to accomplish and, and do so much, you know, good. I'm paraphrasing what you said earlier. And I, I think that's, um, I mean, the work that Protect is doing and ICE is doing um, and with through the Hero Corps and I'm sure through other programs for, against these child predators is just really um, uh, God's work, if you will, um, for those those people that believe in a God. Um, but, um, but I really do want to thank you, um, Jay, for joining us. And um, unfortunately, our time has flown. Um, and that's all the time we have for the show today. Um, thank you, Joe. And thank you for um, um, coordinating our wonderful guests. It's just been an amazing show. Uh, and Fed Talk has been brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, Roth. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. 